For 66 days now, we have ventured through the Gospel of John, setting in cement the answers to the questions, who is Jesus and what is the Gospel? Well, tonight my question is, why is that even an issue? Now, why are we even having to discuss that? How, how did we lose the truth of Jesus? How do we lose the truth of the gospel? The question is, how does that happen? Well, be sure tonight that only happens when you leave, when you stray from, when you abandon the word of God. Now, I've been saying for some time that our problem today is that we have left the Word of God. In our world today, in our nation, in our government, in our culture, in our lives, we are reaping today the harvest of a couple of generations that have left the Word of God. And we look around today and people want to know, well, how did we ever get here? How did we ever get here? How do we ever get to the place that there's more than two genders and you get to pick which one you are? That's absolutely absurd. And I could go on and on, give you all sorts of examples, but look at the evilness, the wickedness, really the total nuttiness. And the question is, how did we ever get here? Well, I will tell you how. It is because we have, and I'll say even in the churches, we've abandoned the word of God. You want to know how we got where we're at in our world today? It is because we have left, we have set aside the Word of God. And when you do, you lose the truth of Jesus. And when you do, you lose the truth of the gospel. That is Satan's plan. That, that is his goal. When you set aside the Word of God for any reason, you will lose the truth of Jesus and you will lose the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tonight our message is entitled, You Can Trust the Truth. You Can Trust the Truth. We're in John chapter 14. I'm actually going to back up a couple verses. We've got a few nights ahead of us. We have time to do that. I'm going to back up a couple verses and start in verse 23 and go through verse 26. John chapter 14, tonight verses 23 through 26. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me and the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 23, Jesus is speaking, and it says this. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the fathers who sent me. Verse 25, these things I've spoken to you while abiding with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight. We are thankful for this night. We're thankful that on a Monday night we can praise you we can gather, we can worship you, we can hear from your holy word. Lord, I pray that tonight would not be a normal night. I pray it wouldn't be a night that we would just move through or somehow check off of a list, but I, I pray, Lord, that you would meet with us and that we would meet with you and we would have ears to hear and hearts to respond. 
And I pray, Lord, that it would truly be a, a supernatural event when you would speak through your word. We know it's living. We know it's active. We pray, Lord, on this Monday night, on the 66th night, that you would speak to your people tonight. Let us hear your voice. Lord, I pray that in the fruit of that, you'd be known. In the fruit of that, you'd be glorified. I pray if there's some that are listening by any means tonight that do not know you. I pray, Lord, that in the hearing of the gospel of a risen Savior, that tonight they would trust you. Tonight would be the night of their salvation. Lord, again, we're thankful for this opportunity. We praise you in it. We give it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In the immediate context of our verses tonight, Jesus is leaving the disciples. He has told them that. He is leaving the disciples. Now, first, he's going to leave them in death, the death of the cross, and then he will leave them as he ascends to heaven. And so where they've been together, they will now separate. Well, that is an unsettling thing for the disciples. Now, think about that, rightly so. Now, for a little more than three years, Jesus has led them. Uh, Jesus has given them their wisdom, his wisdom. He has instructed them, and they have been closely related to Jesus for these years. Well, now he has said that he will leave them, and they are anxious. They are upset, and justifiably so. Well, he has told them in this process that he will not, and he does not leave them as orphans. He's told them they are not abandoned as orphans. No, he gives his disciples, them and us today, two constant companions. He gives them and us the word of God, the word of truth, and the spirit of God, the spirit of truth. And so we need to be sure this, this evening as we start, the truth is we have two constant companions in the absence of Jesus. And the truth is that to thrive as a follower of Jesus, we must stay in the Word and we must walk in the Spirit. And that's what we've seen the last couple of days. If we're going to thrive, not just live, but actually thrive as disciples of Jesus, we're going to have to stay in the Word of God and we're going to have to walk in the Spirit of God. Well, here's the question then for today. So how do we hear from God? How do, how do we hear God's words? And how do we know we can trust his word? Now, if you think about that, that's a pretty good question. Uh, Jesus says his word is what leads us. His word is what blesses us. Well, how do we today hear his words? How do, how do we know we can trust these days today his Word. Well, in our verses, and really in just a couple of short verses, tonight we're going to see the answer. How do we hear his voice, and how do we know we can trust his word? And so again tonight, he's going to give us our answers in a couple of verses. All right, let's go back to where we, we were a couple of days ago in verse 23, and let's begin in verse 23 tonight. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Now, remember, we saw the, the natural response to loving Jesus 
is to keep his word, to, to stay in, to abide in his word. It's not some hard command. If you love me, then keep my commands. That's not what it is. It is telling us the natural result of loving Jesus is you're going to stay in his word. You're going you're to you're keep his word. You're going to abide in his word. We saw that evening that that's one of the ways how God loves us. He loves us by giving us his word. Now, that was, a, that was an awesome thing to think about. It's not just how he reveals his love to us, but, it, but it's also how he loves us. And I'll tell you tonight, if you want to know the love of God, then you have to get in the word of God. People say, well, I don't know that he loves me, and I don't know what he's like. If you want to know the love of God, then you have to get in the word of God. And then he says this, and I think this is the most tremendous thing. He says, and if you're in the word of God, we will make our abode with the one that's in the word of God. That's what it says. Now, if you remember, the word abode actually is the same word from verse 2. Remember verse 2, for I go and prepare a place for you. It's the same word for place. And so the one that's in the word of God, it says, the Father and the Son will make our place, we will make our room, our abode with you. Now think about that. In verse 2, in the cross, Jesus makes a room for us in heaven. That's what it says. A place for us in heaven. Well, in verse 23, in the word, God takes up a room with us right now. Now that's, that's awesome. That's tremendous. Jesus went to the cross and prepared for us a place in the Father's mansion. Well, now in the Word of God, as we are in the Word of God, the Father and the Son take up a room with us right now. That's a great truth. That is a great reality. Well, again, that brings us to the question, so how do you hear God's Word? How do you hear His voice? And how do you trust the voice that you're hearing? All right, let's go to verse 24 now. He who does not love me, Jesus speaking, does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Now I want you to notice the last of that verse. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you. Well, the question is, what things? What is he talking about when he says these things? Well, that's where you have to go back to verse 24. Jesus has been speaking, but he says the words that he's been speaking are not his, they are the Father's word. Jesus has been speaking the word of God. That's what verse 24 says. Those words, they were not my words. They were the words of the Father. So Jesus has been speaking the word of God. Verse 25, Jesus tells them, while he has been with them in person during these years, I have been speaking to you the word of God. The words that he has spoken to them are the words of God. All right, verse 26. But the helper, but... The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now, there's a lot in verse 26. Let me read it again. But I've been speaking to you while I was with you, verse 25, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, that means in my behalf, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now, stay with me. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, for believers, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our life, he proclaims the truth. He enlightens us to the truth, and he reveals and reminds us of the truth. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. One of the things that he does, he enlightens the truth. He is the Spirit of truth. He reveals to us and reminds us of the truth of God's Word. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He still does that. However, that's not what this is saying right here. And you say, well, how do you know? Well, Jesus says, now stay with me. Jesus says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, at the end of the verse, will bring to your remembrance all that I, Jesus says, all that I said to you. The Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Is this verse talking to all believers? No. Why? Because Jesus hasn't told us anything in person. Now think about this. I'm gonna, the Holy Spirit will come and he will remind you what I told you in person. Well, he hasn't told us anything in person. He told the apostles in person. And so listen to this. The Holy Spirit will remind the apostles of what Jesus has said. Now get this. This is awesome. This is talking about the New Testament. That's what this is talking about. This is talking about our New Testament in our Bible. Jesus says, while I was with you, I spoke the word of God. Now, when I'm no longer with you, the Holy Spirit will teach you and remind you of what I said when I was there, the word of God. This is talking about the giving of the word of God through the Holy Spirit to the apostles. And that is what becomes our New Testament. That is what our New Testament is made up of, our Bible. So how do we hear the word of God? Listen, it's in the Bible. So how do we, how do we, why would we trust our Bibles? Because they come from God. Now I want to take those verses, and, and we've already passed through them, but I want to pull some things out of those verses for us tonight so we would be confident in our Bible, so that we would be confident in the Word of God. That is our goal tonight. We want to finish tonight. We want to say, okay, this is our Bible, and I am confident in our Bible, in my Bible. All right, the first thing, the starting place is this. The Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God, not the words of a church, of any church, not the words of a person or of people, not the words of human origin. The Bible is the Word of God. Verse 24, Jesus says, the words you heard are the Father's, they're not mine, they're the Father's who sent me. 
Now let me show you some verses tonight. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says this. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. That's what Jesus was saying in this verse. It is the word of God. Our Bible, Scripture, it is the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God. The word for inspired means breathed out of God. It is the word of God. And so understand, Jesus is setting the groundwork. How do you hear from God? How do you hear his voice? You go to your Bible. Given through the Holy Spirit, written by the apostles, it is the word of God. Jesus is setting the groundwork here. Why would you trust your Bible? Because it was given through the Spirit, written by the apostles, and it is the word of God. Do you know the world hates that? The world hates that. The world attacks that. The world says, you know, if you're going to go by this book, it is dumb. It is superstition. It is inconsistent. For sure, it is outdated. Let me tell you something. One of the great joys of these hundred days, and I can't say this loudly enough, one of the great joys of these hundred days is that every day we venture into the Word of God, and I'll be your witness tonight, every day we venture into the Word of God, we have heard the voice of God. You understand that? That's tremendous. Every time, 66 days that we're serious and we're prayerful and we venture into the Word of God, we hear the voice of our God. Praise the Lord for that. Second thing we see tonight is this. The Bible, it's the word of God first. Second, the Bible is the message of truth. The Bible is the message of truth. Let me, let me tell you this. T -t Today, we are dissolving as a culture and even as churches because we have bought the lie that you can't know the truth. And that's the teaching of our day. That's the, that's the mantra of our day, of our culture. You cannot know the truth. The truth is relative to the situation. There's no one truth. It depends on the situation. Or there's the big lie that there are different versions of the truth. And that's, that's our day. Intolerance, there's my truth. And you might have a different truth, and that's your truth. And they might have their truth. And it is deemed as arrogant to say this is the truth. Well, I want you to listen tonight. There is truth, and there is only one truth, and it is a knowable truth, and it is the truth of the Word of God. The Bible is the message of truth. Back to verse 17, it says it calls the Holy Spirit. He's called the Spirit of truth, revealing the truth. Back before that in verse 6, same chapter, Jesus said, and I am the truth. The Bible, this is the message of truth. Now, I want to tell you something tonight, and you be certain of this, the truth will stand. 
And I think we've been made to be weak in the knees. We've, we've made to be a little bit timid. I want to tell you tonight, the truth will always stand. Now, if you're telling a lie, you better watch out. You'll lose it. You'll forget which version of the lie you've already told. But the truth will always stand, and we can be confident in the truth. We need to be bold tonight. This is the Word of God, and God's Word is truth. He says that. It is the truth. Next thing we see tonight, the third thing is this. The Bible is complete. It's a big deal. The Bible is complete. Let me go back to verse 26. I'm going to read it again. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, whom the Father will send in my name on my behalf, here's what it says. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. All, if you, if you go look it up, it translates in the original language, the collective totality. It means all. Actually, that's a lot of words to say. All means all. The collective totality. Well, Jesus says the Holy Spirit gives the apostles all that he has said. Now, what that means is what God wants us to have, we have. This is the complete record of the revelation of God as he has intended for us to have it. Our Bibles are complete. Be sure tonight, we do not need even one more word. We, what about one more word? We do not need one more world. We, we do not need another book. We do not need another testament of Jesus Christ or testament of anybody else. We don't need the Book of Mormon. We don't need anything else. Our Bible is complete. Let me add something right here while we're on it. Today, we live in a most dangerous age where people are seeking another word from God. And that's the day we're living in. It's a dangerous age. There are people and they usually call themselves today apostles or some sort of modern-day prophet, and they say they are speaking new messages from God. It's a common thing. It is a growing thing. Kenneth Copeland, Dutch Sheets, Bill Johnson, I could go on and on. There's multitudes of those guys, and they come along and they say, well, God told me this, or God said this, and they preach it like it's the biblical truth. Or they say, I had a vision. I've heard sermons given out of a vision, not the Bible. Friends, be sure. The Word of God is not missing anything. And the Word of God does not need anything. It is complete, and any other addition is not of God. Well, I got a little bit I want to add. It's not of God. Well, it, who's a hurt? Listen, anything outside of our Bible is not of God. Our Bibles are complete. Next thing we see tonight, the Bible is without error. The Bible is without error. Now, think about this. God is perfect. Our God is perfect. Our redemption rests on the fact that Jesus is perfect. He's not perfect. We're not saved. It's the perfect Lamb of God that's able to take our sin. Our redemption rests on the fact that Jesus is perfect. In fact, our God is infinitely perfect. Now, that'll start to mess up your brain. He is perfectly perfect, 
perfect. He is infinitely perfect. There's no measure, there's no end to his perfection. And so listen, and so therefore, if these are the words of God, his word must be also perfect. Because this is the word of God, we can be sure in it. It is as perfect as he is, and it has no error in it. Today, the world at the leading of Satan wants to cast doubt on the perfection of the word of God. It wants to say you can trust it, you can't trust it, at least not all of it. And that's the message of the world, you can't trust that, at least you can't trust all of it. And let me just say this, I I was trying to figure this out, and most professing Christians today have taken up that lie. You can't trust all the Bible. Most professing Christians today have taken up that lie. They'll say you can trust it in matters of salvation, but not the definition of a marriage. And that's why you got whole denominations deciding on the definition of a marriage. The definition of a marriage has been set by God. They'll say you can trust it in salvation, but not in the definition of a marriage. That's outdated. Or they'll come along and say you can trust it in matters of salvation, but you can't trust it in matters of creation. You see, God didn't know what he was saying right there and his words were backwards. They're sure over here, but they're not sure there. That's not scientifically sound and it's outdated. They start to notch away at it. Or they'll say, you can trust it in matters of salvation. Yes, that's fine. But you're not supposed to believe the supernatural parts of it. You can't believe in a global flood. That didn't happen. You can't believe the Red Sea parted. That's not possible. You can't believe that a great fish swallowed a running prophet. That doesn't make any sense. And most professing Christians today have bought that lie. Whole entire denominations are okay setting aside parts of the truth of God's word in an attempt to agree with the culture. Do you see how silly that is? To agree with the messed up, sorry culture, they'll say, well, we'll set that aside. Seminaries today are setting aside parts of the word of God in an attempt to agree with the sorry culture. The Bible is without error. And then here's the last one. The Bible is God's gift to us. You see, sometimes I think we need to be reminded of that. We need to think about that. The Bible is his gift to us. Get this tonight. God wants us to have his word. Do you know he doesn't put you on a scavenger hunt and you don't have to go put this together and get this together and learn this and flip this around. He wants you to have His word, we just saw it a couple nights ago. It's one of the ways that he loves us. He shows us his love in his word. It is how he protects us. It is how he leads us. It's how he reveals himself to us. It is not a burden that he puts on us. It is not a duty that he punishes us with. It is not a book of standards we can't keep to make us feel terrible about ourselves. No, God's word, the Bible, is his kindness and his grace and his love shown to us. And so we see in context, Jesus is leaving, but he says, you're not going to be alone. I'm not going to abandon you. You will still have my voice. You can still trust that voice. And if times are hard and you're not sure what to do, you can listen to that voice 
The Bible is God's gift to us. The Bible is God's gift to us. I want you to think about this for a second. Friends, how wild and how perfect, how perfect that hours before the cross, knowing that there's going to be an assault on his truth, knowing that there's going to be an assault on his word, Jesus says the Spirit will reveal it and the apostles will record it and you can hear my voice and you can be confident in it. And hours before the cross, as the time is rolling very soon to his death, he tells us of our Bibles. That's what verse 27 is. He tells us of our Bibles. The Spirit is going to reveal it. The apostles are going to record it. You'll hear my voice through it. He tells us of our Bibles. How tremendous is that? I was thinking about that this afternoon. Thinking about that, just thing, that thing. About a year and a half ago, a little longer than a year and a half ago, Sarah left home and she moved to college. And most of you know that was a very traumatic experience for me when she left home. I do not like change. That's a tough thing for me to swallow. But I remember those last months as the time was getting closer. I would wake up in the middle of the night and think, what did I forget to tell her? What did I forget to show her? Where did I let time get away? And, and there's something that's going to be important, but I haven't thought of it yet. And, and, and she's going to leave and I'm not going to be around. What did I forget to tell her? And I would wake up and say, you got to tell her about that. You got to tell her where the spare tire is at. Got to tell her, be sure and do this thing. Time's, time's rolling by. What did I forget to tell her? Will she have all that she needs? It was Christmas her last year, senior year, and we got her a Bible. And we have lots of Bibles, but this one was different. It was symbolic. And I wrote her a letter. And I want to read you the letter tonight. It says this. Sarah Jo, that's what I call her. Sarah Jo, it has been a fast trip from your first Christmas to this Christmas. For this year's gift, I wanted to give you a Bible, symbolic of the greatest thing I could ever give you, a love and trust of God's Word. As your mom's and my influence begins to become smaller, and as you stand as an adult, my prayer and goal has been that you will quickly and confidently turn to God's own word as your greatest influence. He will be your guide. He has the absolute best way to live. He holds all wisdom. He loves you more than we do. He knows all things. And these are his words. And all the days ahead, if you ever can't find me, or if you wonder what I would say, turn here. May God greatly bless you and use you all the days of your life. All glory be to Christ. Merry Christmas. Love, Mom and Dad. What a treasure we have in our Bible. What a treasure we have in our Bible. Look at that verse again. It is a gift from our Savior, Jesus. 
What a treasure we have in our Bible. We can trust the truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come now. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your grace, for your mercy, for your kindness. We're thankful for such a radical salvation. We're thankful that you love us so much you send your only begotten son to come and to die taking our penalty. We're so thankful you're so gracious. We're so thankful you so love. And we're so thankful tonight for your word. We're thankful that your word leads us, directs us, calms us, encourages us. But most of all, we're thankful for the written word that points to the living word, Jesus, that we might be saved, that we might have hope that our anchor might hold by faith in Jesus. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for the word. Lord, I pray as we hear this tonight that we would be more committed to it, that we would hold it and see it as the treasure that it is, that we would be people that not just hear it, but we would do it and live it. And I pray most of all that we would tell a lost and dying world of the Savior of that word, Jesus. Lord, we're thankful that you haven't left us without a witness. We're thankful that you left us a faithful companion in your word. Lord, I pray again that we would draw close to it and through it close to you, our Savior. Lord, I pray as we conclude this service that you have spoken, I trust that you have. I pray, Lord, now that there's decisions that are made and they bring glory to you. Pray that any, any hindrance, anything that would stop it would be removed. And I pray that you're known tonight. Lord, we again thank you, we praise you, we love you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close our service now with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you the point of all of this is that you'd respond to the preached good news of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you the Savior of this word, his name is Jesus. In fact, the subject of this word all the way from Genesis to Revelation, it's Jesus. The good news tonight is this. We have sinned. All of us have sinned. And in our sin, we've earned a punishment, death. We will pay it ourselves. But our God is so loving, and he sees our state and our sin. The Bible says he sends his one and only son, his only begotten son. He comes as the perfect lamb of God. He never sins that he's able to offer himself in your place and in my place. Had he sinned, he would have had to pay his own penalty, but he never sins that he could go in our place. He goes to the cross of Calvary, he becomes our sin. He pays for it in his own blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. He pays for it in his own blood. The wrath of God towards sin is poured out on him. He takes it. He dies paying for our salvation. He dies your death and he dies my death. They pull him off of that cross and they put him in a borrowed grave. The penalty is paid. It is settled in Jesus. The good news of the gospel of Jesus is this. Three days later, he walks out of the grave and he stands as the risen Savior, the, the King of kings, our hope, our anchor, our Savior, Jesus. The Bible says this, if you'll trust in that, not if you'll get on a church roll, not if you'll have a checklist of things to do, not of any work that you might do or you might boast, I would too. But by faith in Jesus, professing with our mouth what we believe in our heart, we are saved. That's the testimony of Scripture. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Jesus, my call is trust Him tonight. If it's an unsettled thing of you and you're trying to weigh it out, listen, He's your only hope. Trust in Jesus tonight. He will save you tonight. Do not go to bed without settling it tonight. If you've never trusted Jesus, trust Him tonight. If you've followed Christ but you've never followed in believers, baptism, I want to give you an opportunity as well 
to come and say, I want that testimony as we saw this weekend, that testimony to stand in celebration of what we believe of Christ. And so you come as well. We'll set a day to be a great day of celebration, signifying what we believe of our Savior, Jesus. Maybe you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve his cause, upholding his word until he comes again. Maybe on this Monday night you want to pray at an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. Maybe you want to pray for this effort. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for an exit. You pray for those that are making decisions. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You come on. I'll meet you here. <laughs>